Welcome to Conservative Patriot Nation, new members and returning members. Thank you for joining us tonight as we have one fantastic patriot joining us and we'll have a special appearance with For the Win. And before we get to the show, I'd like to recognize several of our sponsors, Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Mike Lindell has been a guy that's really been putting his life on the line, he put his business on the line, and this guy has really been fighting to save our republic. And if you go to MyPillow.com and use promo code CPNN, you can get up to 66% off your purchase, and he has some awesome awesome organic coffee and last but not least i'd like to recognize dr zelenko a guy that was really saving lives during the pandemic a guy that really helped so many people and he still is and he's left us some platinum bullets and if you go to zstacklife.com and use promo code cpn you'll get five percent off your purchase and last but not least i would like to welcome SGNON and for the win for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. Good to see you for the win. Hey guys. Absolutely. I, I would like to go over a couple things. Um, SGNON, and then we can go into for the wins reveal what is research. You two can go at it on that one, and then we can go into QA if that's fine. Wonderful. Now, something that's uh, that was that captured a lot of people's attention, and many people is talking about it. You know, after we seen the uh, distraction indictment thingy, uh, when Trump was having his speech afterwards, the flags really stood out. You know, there were some flags that didn't have the gold fringe, and then there was a couple that did. In your opinion or research, is that a sign of the corporation dying and the republic coming back in place? You know, I think it's very possible, and I appreciate the question. Um, We know that as we've tracked along this journey in the last five to six months, the president has given us pretty overt signs of symbolic or historic importance. Um, The November 15th announcement that was made Um, The things that happened the first week of March and really the whole month of March discussing final battle, um, you know, changing his profile picture, which I believe happened either in late January or early February to a Braveheart style war paint face. Right. Braveheart was against the English crown, against the cabal. Um, You know, it's I think it's very possible when we look at the events of the 4th of April, you know, we have clear signs, including on air Fox News reporters calling him the current president of the United States. Um, we had a 10 car motorcade that surrounded Trump force one. That is a presidential motorcade. Um, when have you ever seen a former president or head of state with that sort of a procession, right? That sort of pomp and circumstance, not typically necessary. Three of those vehicles were identical. So we had two decoys, which is typical of a presidential procession. And we had an ambulance, um, active EMS on duty, um, as part of the motorcade, which again, as for a current head of state, not a former, um, you know, I think that what we've got going on is it's getting more and more in our face that we have two um, governments, if you will, two competing levers. We have these uh, moron black hats, some of whom are controlled by us, some of whom are not. And then we have the lawful government of the United States insulated in the form of the president. Um, and, I st- and I still believe to this day, um, Chris Miller, the likes of Chris Miller and others 
who act, I think, as the ministers of different areas, such as war and foreign policy, for that lawful, um, that lawful insulated representation. Yeah, I totally agree. I remember that uh, <clears throat> with that speech that Ezra Cohen and, and Miller was given. Um, I think that was very important for a lot of people to listen to. I totally agree. And and there's another thing that I really want to touch on because I, I really haven't dug too much into it. If you can shed some light on the BRIC nations, is that a good thing for the world and America or a bad thing? If you can just shed some light on the BRIC nations. You know, it, it really good and bad are in the eye of the beholder, right? It depends on what lens we're looking and with what goal or objective we have in mind. But I think when we extract ourselves out to an 80 or 100,000 foot point of view and we appreciate what's happening worldwide, sort of all in conjunction, uh, like gears in a clock with one another, we have a dethroning of the United States petrodollar um, and, the, you know, the dollar being the source of pain, suffering, slavery and death for a great many decades at this point for a lot of nations around the world. Um, at the same time that we have this buffer, this um, I would almost call it like a pillow or a counterbalance, if you will, that has propped up in the form of this economic block, which now has in its applicant process more than 72% of the world's overall GDP and some of the world's largest indust industries and, um, uh, and economies. And so what we have, and we also have emerging within that block, a military alliance as well, um, as well as a push for a, a currency that's a one-to-one -one and traded with everyone. So I think really what we have in the form of the BRICS nations is a counterbalance to the Western world NATO alliance um, and the Bretton Woods International Monetary Fund World Bank system that has always governed really um, finance and power and, and certainly the exchange of money and value in different countries around the world for a very, very long time. You know, and uh, I think the uh, <clears throat> those guys are, are starting to feel the heat and that's why we're starting to see weird pop-ups like uh, what's going on in Tennessee, um, trying to create emotion and, um, I don't, I really don't think it's going to work. You know, I think the consciousness of the people have been raised. There'll be some paid actors out there and a couple mom mentalities and people that try to conquer on the moment, but you can see they're trying to generate chaos. And that's definitely a clear sign that they're, they're losing. You know, I would think almost without a doubt in many respects, because we have clear indications across all sorts of dimensionalities with this war that we're advancing forward and that their house of cards is continuing to crumble and they can't stop it. Um, what's happening with the banking system, all of that's now become public knowledge, right? The public faith in the banking system for the first time since 2008 has been shaken in a way that everyone's eyes are on it. People are paying attention. There are people who actively are going and looking things up day to day because they're seeking to insulate or protect or gain knowledge to share with someone that they care about. And so the narrative warfare has been lost on the banking system. We know the fiat money will eventually come down anyway because we can't have a free trade society and a fair market society anywhere in the world if we don't have standardized equivalency for value, which has always been historically precious metals and was removed by this cabal so that they could inflate us into essentially financial slavery and then kill us all. And so as we go forward through this process, it's worth noting that you know, the fall of the dollar and, you know, how things are valued and 
where we end up looking as a society is a is a major major component of the choosing period that we're living through right now i agree i mean we can't really evolve and, and move forward and become a better humanity and civilizations with others benefiting the fruit of other people's labors and and not just you know not letting people grow so i i totally agree with that and I sure can't wait till the change comes and and we can all come together and and unite as one, even the people we call sleepers and uh, liberals or whatnot, because they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. I do have one more thing I'd like to go over. Um, Something that that just once I saw this, it, it just came to my consciousness and I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, when they brought up Trump's going to get arrested and all this and that, you know, there were several people that were freaking out. But, you know, I wasn't freaking out as as we know that there's certain things that are playing out that has to play out in a certain fashion. To where. Once they set this indictment, it's like it's set the stage for others that are really criminals that had immunity. Um, other political people, just like I seen Dinesh D'Souza tweeted out today about um, a felony at minimum treason at most for Adam Schiff, and he's in huge trouble. So when you see them trying to indict a former president, which, I mean, we've seen two impeachments and it just uh, was pretty much garbage. Is this setting up a boomerang effect for all the other people that have crimes against humanity and treason and, and all that other good stuff? You know, as far as I'm concerned, it's without doubt exactly that. We don't have precedent on the books right now for the events that we're going through in a great many ways. We could span from the functionality of the government to how um, how our country has been affected in the last three years, certainly how the world operates societally and how we all interact, you know, day to day and level lever to lever. But a lot of things that came forth during the pandemic and this time that we've had post 2020 have all been original legal precedents that we will use going forward as a civilization to build a world that is legally pointed in the right direction as it's always not been. And so, you know, a good example of that, all of these high level government officials, um, heads of state, um, executive branch, um, you know, ministers and, and secretaries and things like that, facilitating all of this nefariousness, some of the worst crimes imaginable. And they've always been immune because there's always been certain protections in place legally. At one point in time, we were intellectually argued into that being a necessity and that being worth the sacrifice, but we're understanding now that it's really not. And so we're setting the precedent moving forward to haul in Bill Clinton and Hussein Obama and H.W. Bush's uh, double that we have and, you know, and 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 on and on and on and on down the line. But the other thing that's important here by doing this to the presidential position in particular, and I'm referring to the office, not the man, is that we have... The, we have precedent now to haul in anyone serving beneath that hierarchy in the executive. And so we're talking about every cabinet minister, every uh, secretarial position, including you know secretary of state and interior and energy and transportation and commerce and all of this, right? And we also have the legal precedent set since most of the United States, I believe 48 out of 50, are modeled on the federal government model in the current corporate form. We now have the precedent established to do the exact same thing to all of the governors that locked down their states and murdered their murdered their elderly in nursing homes. 
And so all of that's coming forward, too, as we get to a head. It's worth considering that all eyes are on Trump, all eyes are on the federal government, all eyes are on the precedent, the legal case that's going on, yada, da da da. But we're not appreciating just yet because we're not really there yet how this is going to impact us at the state's level, which is going to be very important moving forward. Totally agree, you know, and um, one more thing I like to touch on is when I seen that uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. is going to be putting his hat in for presidents. Um, I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know, red pills are coming. You know, there's many people like, oh, why don't they just tell them about COVID, the pandemic and the vaccines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We all know that Robert is very vocal about COVID, uh, very vocal about the vaccines. And I believe uh, that is going to be a red pill move. And that's a, that's a power move where people are going to get awakened. And uh, once that truth comes out, these people aren't going to be able to walk down the streets anymore. It's just my opinion. Well, it's worth highlighting with him declaring something like a presidential run. We now have certain communications uh, permissions that are afforded to him because he's taken the position as a public official who could be elected. And so it's in the public interest and it's codified into U.S. law that they should have a sort of platform and, and be allowed to speak. And so, you know, as we go forward here, we've got Robert Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, who um, is really one of the only individuals in the government that's actively talking about this plan to depopulate the world and how real it is and how we're living through it right now with these bioweapons that they call shots. And so having a platform to tie all of that back, I think, is a wonderful thing. I think it's also possible that he's setting himself up um, for a possible VP pick moving down the line as we go forward, right? That could be a unifying move on behalf of Trump once we get through this craziness that we're getting through um, to set that narrative up for dissolving the uniparty and making it about we the people um, and taking affirmative physical steps on the campaign trail optically to do something like that, which I think is important for Americans. We like the pomp a little bit, right? We like the drama a little bit. We like being able to see the history and live the history and feel the history. It, it's, it ignites a little something in the, in the bones of the American patriot out there. And so I think we're doing this in a fashion, even though this is, you know, by and large, a counterintelligence operation, we're doing this in a fashion that ignites the soul and provides the avenue and the experience and the justification in many ways to um, come alive and move into action and participate in changing the world and feeling like the world can be changed. And that's key. If we don't feel like we can do it, it just doesn't happen. That's why um, we have things like morale in the ranks being such a big concern all of the time, right? In any warfare situation, you have to know you can do it and we can do it. Oh my God. <clears throat> As you were just saying that, I mean, just something just popped in my brain. Um, that's very powerful what you said. As you said, he could be a possible VP pick. And so many people are like, you know, how can we awaken people? How do we bring unity? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, oh my God, that's bringing the conservatives and Democrats together. That that would be a power move. And it will show the people this is not about a political party. This is about the American people. Wow. I appreciate you saying that because that just really brought a vision to my eyes and uh 
That'd be very powerful. I don't want to hold up. Oops, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say on that, you know, powerful and things like that. It's about bringing the ordinary person into the fold, right? At the end of the day, we're all patriots if we've got the right information. Even the gaslit communist that's down the road and is 22 years old and has no life experience. But if we have the right information, pretty much all of us are decent people. We love our country. And I think that's really where we're headed. 100%. And that's what it boils down to. I don't want to hold up. Uh, too much, but I know for the win wants to break down and show some more reveal of his research. So I'm going to hold, I'm going to pass the mic over to SGNon and for the win. And then when you guys are done, we can go into Q and A and SG. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate everyone for being here tonight. Um, just wanted to start off with saying that SG and and I have not spoken about a thing about what I'm going to share with you guys here tonight. So this is just going to be kind of fun just to go over to just go over just basic stuff, you know, start questioning the narrative on every aspect and stuff. And one of the things that I really appreciate about this dig is that when you can now go back with the hindsight of knowing that Biden's the puppet He's not duly elected, none of this stuff. And that there are people that are telling us otherwise and that they have to use so many different things to be able to trick people into believing this fake narrative. So the guy that I'm going to share with you guys tonight is Robert Callahy. He, I, I remember him on Fox News when I watched Fox News before they went Fox on us and everything. And, um, He's the bow tie guy. Um, he's with the Trafalgar group. So let me put this up here. I, think I can do this. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Robert Calhe, quick, uh, little thing about him. Um, he gained media attention in 2016 for being one of the few pollsters to accurately predict that Trump would carry the state of Michigan and Pennsylvania in the 2016 U.S. election. So back then, if you remember all the pollsters, all the pundits, everyone said Hillary, 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 Hillary. This is the only guy that just stood up here and said, actually, no, Trump's going to win. So he kind of basically did the same thing again with the midterms in 2018 and being able to say which states were going to do what in that um, race as well. And then come 2020, you guessed it. Yep, Biden won. So when you think about the landslide that 2016 was and is and the lead up to 2020 and how close everything was and what they told us that that election was and stuff and how they were just trying to be able to just cover their tracks with what 2020 was. I started to kind of think about who this guy was, who was on Fox all the time. I wanted to know more about this guy. So um, let's do this. Let's just go right to his website. So this is the front page of the Trafalgar Group. Um, What's interesting about it is that his logo is the compass rose. And with the Q stuff and everything, they say news happens in all directions. Well, 
north, east, west, south is the news, and it happens in all directions. So it's really interesting that he uses that to begin with part of his logo. On top of it is what Trafalgar actually represents. And the Battle of Trafalgar um, it was a naval engagement that took place on the 21st of October, 1805, between the British Navy and the combined fleets of the French and the Spanish. So in this battle, basically, um, the British were outnumbered. They had 27 ships. The French and the Spanish had 33. There's that number again, 33. And ironically, they also had the largest ship out there at sea that day. Well, um, the commander Nelson of the British basically did some maneuver where he was able to kind of just cut their ships in half and he, they were able to battle and be successful and not even losing a single ship being outnumbered 27 to 33. Meanwhile, they ended up um, sinking 22 of the 33 ships, leaving 11 left. If you follow anything of master numbers of anything, you have 11 left, 22 sank, he started with 33. It doesn't get any clearer than this battle, I think, right now. So if it's up to we, the people, and us to be able to go back and they say that we have more than we know, this is this right here. It's right in front of us. We just have to go and look at it. And the numbers are here. This is our clues of being able to see that we're right, basically. And you look at the strength, ironically, um, the French and the Spanish had 30,000 men to the British is 17,000. There's the 17 and all this as well too. So I'm like, okay, this, this thing is a thing. So Trafalgar Square is basically a commemoration zone of this event. So if you go on Google Maps here, we'll street map it again. Click drawing. Come on. There we go. So this is a pillar basically dedicated to Nelson, that commander, and this stands right in the middle of England there. So there's a whole setup to this, basically. So this thing is just not only just like an event in history, you also have symbolism in the symmetrical of whatever they're displaying here as well, too. So there's something to all of this, if this is in England as well, then, too. So back to Trafalgar. That's the key in all of this here. So... We lost for a second for the win. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. All of a sudden it just said connecting and I'm like, okay, that's great. So I'm back. Um, so uh, Trafalgar, so where was I? Um, 
Oh, okay. So 2016, that, that was the election out of all of them where I think it was the most surprising to all of us. It was like that initial shock and blow of everything. Like, holy crap, Hillary actually lost. This is really cool. So for this guy to call 2016 right, 2018 right, yep, Biden won in 2020. And then to start off with the name of Trafalgar Group and highlighting that battle of just being outnumbered and then having master numbers that play on how many were lost, how many started with, and how many, you know, they ended up with ultimately. So there's something to all of this. So then I started digging deeper into who this guy actually is here. So um, polling methodology. The Trafalgar Group delivers on polling or delivers our polling questionnaires utilizing a mix of six different methods. They have live callers integrated voice response, text messages, emails, and then it says two other proprietary digital methods we don't share publicly. That last one was my like red flag, like, okay, so you're going to have proprietary digital means that you're just not going to share with us. Well, that, that could be someone just sending you an email saying what to say ultimately at the end of the day, but you're just never going to share this with us. Okay. We utilize short questionnaires of nine questions or less based on our perceptions about attenuated attention spans and the need to accommodate modern busy lifestyles. Our polls last one to three minutes and are designed to quickly get our opinions for those who would not typically participate in political polls. So get to this slide here. It's right here, I just read, yes, this is great. So right here, Trafalgar had the lowest average difference between projected election margin and the actual margin, the only firm to a difference of under 2%. While most firms were over 3% and 538 was at over 4%. Trafalgar has had the most accurate polls in the Wisconsin presidential, which he was exact on, the Florida. He was 1.2% off, North Carolina presidential 0.6 off. The senator there, he was exact on. Arizona senator, 0.4% off on. Texas president, 0.2% off on. Ohio president, Missouri president, LA president, 0.6% off, as well as the um, Louisiana senator as well, too. So this guy is pretty good, you know? So when you first think about 2016 now, in hindsight, in knowing what we know now and what we've all lived through now, I, I'm thinking that he's, you know, obviously that plant and he knew that this is like the counter moves of how things went. Trump said he's running for president. They said, oh, shit. She might lose this one. They always they always tell us that they thought that she would never lose. But I think some of the smart ones actually maybe thought she was going to lose and inserted this guy to be able to make sure that, well, if we're going to lose 2016, we cannot lose 2020 and what their plans for all of us were at that point. So I think that's when they really kind of threw all the bets off with COVID and all that unfolded, knowing what we know now as well too. So then I started looking into things about the guy. This is off of the Georgia business um, website search. Basically, you can just look up anyone with anything there. So I just typed in his name, Robert Callahy, and his business search came up with as Bonnie Blue Holdings. 
Let's see here. Here we go. So the dissolved date of this was December 31st of 2015. So this is basically right before 2016 with the election with everything. When you get into the nitty gritty of everything with him, he had some issues with some polling in 2011 under um, another entity of Gadsden and Green Strategies. And he got busted with not doing the correct things of polling and do not call us kind of stuff. So he already kind of had an issue there. And then with this filing of seeing this dissolved date of 1231-2015 with the business address of 285 Centennial Olympic Park Drive unit, PH two through six, that's penthouse. Yeah, let's do it that way. Okay. So 282 Centennial Olympic Park Drive is right here on the corner where the Children's Museum of Atlanta actually is. And just recently, this museum was renovated. So when you notice the symbology on the top of it now and what's going on with the statue over here, That's it's starting to paint this picture that these people are who these people are. They flaunt it right in front of us. Now that guy's address though is 285, not 282. 282 is right here on the corner. But right here at this awning right here, this is 285. So this door probably goes you to an elevator that goes up to the penthouse. Up to the penthouse. But it's the same building with the Children's Museum of Atlanta where all the kids are playing at. How freaking creepy is this stuff? What do you think so far, SG? I'm absolutely intrigued, especially since Bonnie Blue is an overt reference to the Confederate States of America. Isn't that funny? Like it, you see it in the movies too, where you know these people they make these diabolical plans, and then they always reference something that's very historical in nature. A long, long time ago in our history, just like you're saying with Bonnie Blue. Um, okay, so for those out there that may be unaware, the Bonnie Blue flag was the unofficial and very first flag adopted by the Confederate States of America in 1861. I think I had a slide on it somewhere. It's not in this one, but I had something on that too. I remember looking that up as well. It's interesting. You're just like, oh, it's like one thing leads to another. And and this is just getting started. This is just insane. So, okay, let's, let's just start with the filing history. So with this Bonnie Blue, it formed March 2nd, 2006. So he's in business from 2006 to 2015. I believe this is his primary business that he always was doing business under. And then I 
How did I do that? That was the thing. That's the key. Bonnie Blue Holdings. Its physical address here is 838 Pinhurst Drive, Atlanta, Georgia. Eight three eight Pinhurst. Come on. Welcome to this special edition of Hanford by Tam Bruce and Trishaw. And tonight, a rare moment of bipartisan agreement, a majority of both Republicans. This, I think, is his actual residence, if I'm not mistaken. There's something else on how this all connects. Let's see if I can find how I did that. Right, right. Okay, okay. Oh, George is going really slow tonight. Bonnie Blue Holdings. All right, well, I'll just get to the nitty gritty. I can't remember the address, but this is the story behind it basically so this guy kip jones r kipling jones when you search something of one of his entities this guy pops up as the registered agent for callahy so when you look at who this guy is he's a car accident attorney for the last 18 years personal injury 18 years so the majority of his business is just between this and then he does some motorcycle stuff so he's basically a hit and run type of lawyer guy so this guy himself has also had in, um, issues with keeping his license up to date with having disciplinary investigations into the stuff that he's done as well, too. So he's still active, but he's another guy where they slip up ever, ever so slightly. And it seems like when these people slip up, that's when really bad people start to take, you know, note and say, hey, you know what, we'll let you off, but you're going to owe us one or something to that effect. So when he started digging into him, I was like, well, where did he go to school? He went to Yeshiva University, Benjamin N. Cardozo School of Law in New York. So that school, when I started digging into this and everything, 
Um, Benjamin Cardozo, law school faculty, ranks 33rd in the nation for scholarly impact, according to the newly released version of the lighter scholarly impact score. Cardozo's faculty also is ranked number 22 in the country for scholarly impact by the Heaton Sickleman's academic impact rankings of 100 American law schools. So I'm like, okay. So the guy who's a registered agent for Callahy is this hit and run trial lawyer guy who went to this law school, who, again, with master numbers, just being there when I just looked them up ultimately. And then you want to kind of find out, well, who is the school? What do they do? They have a national repu reputation for a top caliber faculty and an innovative academic program and includes a wide range of exciting and practical opportunities. Their special nationally known programs among them are the Innocence Project, the Intellectual Property Law Program, the Alternate Dispute Resolution Program, the Immigration Justice Clinic, and the Holocaust, Holocaust Claims Restitution Clinic. Combine intellectual excellence and public advocacy, helping to shape the legal landscape. So ultimately, this school is just a very liberal lefty type of school. So then I found like another post of theirs that says Cardozo School of Law. They connect, Cardozo connects. So with the connects here, and you'll see this a lot these days where they'll take the Ouroboros and put that into the letters of words now. The Ouroboros is emblematic serpent of ancient Egypt and Greece representing with its tail and its mouth, continually devouring itself and being reborn for itself. It's a Gnostic and alchemical symbol. Ouroboros expresses the unity of all things, material and spiritual, which never disappear, but perpetually change form in an eternal cycle of destruction and recreation. So this is the symbol of who these people are ultimately. So when you see the master numbers come up, the 17s, Ouroboros, this kind of stuff, this is the red flag of like saying, you know, this is who we're up against. You know, when... People look for a face as your enemy and stuff. Like there's really not a face to it. It's their actions and their actions and their words and what they do. And this is what we have to do to be able to identify all these things and call these people out. Kind of like what I'm doing right now. So Michelle, oh, let me get this up. Cardozo is ranked among the top law schools in the country for scholarly impact. Our fall 2021 magazine highlights articles written by professors in prestigious blah, 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 blah. Now, this dig that I did, did it a while ago. But Michelle Adams named to the President Biden's Presidential Commission on the Supreme Court. Oh, that's interesting. So someone from that school just got named to that commission. Okay. So you can start to see how this game has worked within all these people then. So... Okay, the next part is, oh, here it is. Okay, so here's that uh, Gadsden and Green strategies, one of his other LLCs, and this is how Kipling Jones comes into the picture. So he's the registered agent under this entity with this filing history. So this started in 2009 and it's still being registered through 2021. And then 
Wait, is that what I want? Okay. So then I did the search on, well, what else does Kipling Jones as a registered agent pop up with? So then there's a lot of entities that show up. You have this Ace Tomato Enterprises, Ace Tomato Transportation. Now, I didn't know about the whole adrenochrome thing until after 2020, Fox went fox on us and everything and stuff, but adrenochrome and, you know, what it is and blood and you're like, okay, it's that. But then, you know, these people have to have distribution networks and stuff like that for the stuff, right? Ace tomato. It sounds like aces and like primo tomato. It's, you know, this is their code, I believe, for this crap. Okay. So I have one for the enterprises probably, you know, creating it. And then one for the distribution networks with the transportation of it. So all this stuff is just starting to like interlink underneath this guy who's like, who's this accident attorney, which is just really bizarre for him to be the registered agent for this pollster guy. Like these things start to just, they don't add up. It doesn't jive right. Here's Ace Tomato, principal address, 285 Centennial Olympic Park. Wait a minute, 285? Oops, I already did that, didn't I? That is over here. 285 is over here with the awning, 282 is the Children's Museum of Atlanta. So Ace Tomatoes, physical entity offices this is in the penthouse of this building and this building. This is just mind blowing to me. Like these people do it on purpose. So then here's a good synopsis of it all. Bonnie blue holdings. Registration agent was Callahy. Gadsden and Green had Kipling Jones underneath of it with the registered office of 230 Peach Street, Peach Tree Street, Suite 1640. Now, this is where Kipling Jones's office of business as well, too, is. So when you start to look up 230 Peach Street, duplicate. Two thirty Peach Three Street Northwest. Here we go. Satellite. We have a pulled up here. 
is it's not loading up correctly on that one. That's fine. So long story short, 230 Peachtree is in this building. Come on. So in this building, it also houses the U.S. Department of State Bureau of Consular Affairs. And then it also has the Atlanta Passport Agency in this building as well, too, along with this crooked lawyer as well, too. Still All under one out of the country. I mean, you can get anyone in and out of the country with a passport, right? And then the consular office, what do they do? Incredible. You know, like, I wouldn't put it past these people to be like, oh, let's just accidentally, you know, say something I shouldn't be saying in an elevator ride going up together, you know, or just whatever. Like, it's in the same building. If you need something done, you can get it done without anyone ever noticing anything. So then when you kind of start to look at, like, okay, this is the network of all these people, and you start to look at Callahy, Callahy's a pawn at the end of the day. They tell him what to say. So then when you see this kind of stuff, and then you look at his predictions in 2016 on how close he even was, like, I think that's proof of almost, like, with the machine stuff as well. Like, what do you get that close within or being exact on some of those percentages and what this guy did. No one was closer than this guy. In fact, even... I'm only going to go back because it's worthwhile. Here we go. Got that again. Okay. But there's another pollster here named Robert Callahy, who's the CEO of a polling group called Trafalgar. You haven't heard much about Trafalgar, but they were right on the money on this. Rush Limbaugh, 11-9-2016. So even Rush said this guy was on the money. This guy was right. You know, look at this guy. He had all the accolades in the world and stuff. So then when you think about starting a business and you think about what to call yourself, do you really go with the Trafalgar group and then let history play out in being as dead on and accurate as he was in probably one of the most flawless battles ever? He, the dude sunk 22 ships, didn't lose a single ship while being outmanned, outgunned, outshipped by six ships as well. And they didn't even have the biggest ship on their side. But there's that 33, the 22, and ending up with 11 at the end of the day. This whole thing stinks. These people are who they are, and this is the symbols of figuring out all this stuff. So you were saying, you know, Bonnie Blue. What was Bonnie Blue again? Let, let's just do this real quick. Bonnie Blue. Bonnie Blue. Yeah, there's Bonnie Blue Flag. Bonnie Blue Flag was a banner associated at various times with the Republic of Texas, the short-lived Republic of West Florida, and the Confederate States of America at the start of the American Civil War in 1861. It now often serves as a representative banner of the southern, southeastern United States in general. So there's a Bonnie Blue Flag song. 
And for the so, win, you got your your BB, your twenty two. You're right. I was going to mention it too, but I was like, maybe not on this one. But we'll mention it. I have a thing where there's a caveat to this: is that you have to be in the sphere of influence. You can't be just like you're down the street neighbor or whatever. But basically, when you open your mouth, people hear you talk, kind of like Elon Musk or anyone who opens their mouth politically these days. Um, so if your first name, last name starts with the same letter, odds are you're probably a bad guy. And the only guy left that I see as a good guy that's left on this list that I have is Jim Jordan. And the jury's still quite out there on that one. But when you start to like look at these things, I mean, at the end of the day, Mason's love alliteration. That's what this stuff is. BB, Bonnie Blue. BB is also 22. It's master number. Um, okay, so there was that, but I was going to go back to something, but then there was, oh yeah, okay. Bonnie Blue. I'll, I can do this really quick just so we all know. The Bureau of Counselor Affairs is a Bureau of the U.S. Department of State reporting to the Undersecretary of State for Management. The mission of the Bureau is to administer laws, formulate regulations, and implement policies relating to the broad range of consular services and immigration. Bonnie Blue, let's find you. It's up to there. Okay. This is when it gets weird. So on the left here is the Articles of Incorporations of Bonnie Blue Holdings in Georgia. The name and address of the incorporator is Richard S. Bryson of Morrison Bryson LLC, 4045 Smithtown Road, Suite A, Swanee, Georgia, blah, 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 blah. I Googled Richard S. Bryson. This is what I found. Incredible. Richard S. Bryson was convicted by a jury of two counts of aggravated child molestation, child molestation, incest, statutory rape, and cruelty to children in the first degree. Bryson appealed, and, in, and this court affirmed his conviction in an unpublished opinion on April 23, 2015, in Bryson v. State. Three years later, on April 25, 2018, Bryson filed a pro se, and then I think it never went anywhere because the guy's a scumbag at the end of the day. So you go ahead, you guys. Prove this one wrong. See if you can find another Richard S. Bryson in Georgia that can fit this description of who this Richard S. Bryson, who was the incorporator for this Bonnie Blue Holdings at the end of the day was. Because I can't find one. What makes it even weirder is this part. So when you go on, on, on his website, Bryson Law Firm. Wait a minute. Bryson Law Firm. PC. Okay, Bryson Law Firm. Bryson Law Firm PC.com. I think that's, yeah, here it is. Okay, Richard Bryson. So this is his website. Under here. Bryson Law Firm. 4045 Smithtown Road, Suite K. K is also the 11th letter in the alphabet. So from when they incorporated the business, this 
law firm was in suite A, and now they're in suite K. I know businesses move periodically here and there, but just with the namesakes of what letters represent in today's world, A is one, K is 11, one, one, one. Like it, it it's too bizarre. 11th degree. Mm-hmm. It stinks so bad. Good one. So, you know, I was actually searching for the Trafalgar group and I just searched Trafalgar, tried the Kip Jones for the registered agent, but ultimately with this of everything, all things Trafalgar and the one address in the sphere of addresses of everything that I was looking at for here is this one, Trafalgar Properties Buckhead LLC. And this one... started in 2021. So this is after now the election and everything. And it's just so weird to have this filing. And then I think it's yeah, to have all these different entities ultimately, and then having entities that started in 2021 and then you also had ones from as far as 2006 before and this gadson and green started up again in 2021 as well too so it's all very bizarre but there's something here at the end of the day and i think here we go this is him in 2010 he got arrested over illegal robocalls. That was the thing I was talking about when he got in trouble with someone like this. So I think this little hiccup, the guy was apparently great with numbers and everything before and stuff, but then this hiccup happened and then things kind of just were never the same ever since. It just seems like when they got to him back in 2011, they, they, you know, they waited their time until, you know, like who dissolves, you know, who dissolves their business 1231, 2015, unless you know what your next step is, like it's planned, like, you know, okay, I got to do this last day of the year. You just don't accidentally do that on the last day of the year. Incredible. Looks like you might've uncovered a coven. I think so. Like all the links of everything of what we talk about on here and stuff where you, I mean, the Atlanta passport agency, like everything's all under one roof and stuff. And then having less than, you know, these very shady individuals like Kipling Jones pop up and stuff. And then he's the registered agent on this. Like he's a fall guy. If this thing goes south, which I think they eventually knew they were either going to get away with it all, or they wouldn't ever get caught because they don't think they're ever going to get caught with anything. This is what they do. This is, you know, how, like, they're they're good, but they have to leave us these clues. And if they didn't, and if we didn't know this code or whatever you want to call it to be able to identify these symbols and 
num- numerology clues, we would ne- we'd be in the dark. So we would never have known any of this stuff whatsoever. But you can't tell me that it's a coincidence that these people, at the end of the day, have a business entity named Ace Tomato Enterprises in the penthouse suite of the same building that houses the Children's Museum of Atlanta. So, Mike, that's all I've got for tonight. Let's stop with that. Thanks for sharing that for the win. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will now be going into Q&A. And JW will be doing Q&A tonight. And SG, thank you for joining us. It's always a pleasure and an honor. And uh, for the win, thank you for sharing what you shared. I don't see any hands raised. So if anyone has a question, please hit that middle button. Oh, we have Catherine. I'm going to um, unmute you. All right, Catherine, you can actually unmute yourself now and ask your question. Catherine, if you push the middle button. Yeah. and then, There you go. I got it. Thank you. Uh, yes, SG, uh, thanks for everything that you do. I have a question um, about Mike Pence. We've heard so many things about him uh, that are contradictory, um, including his engagement in obviously very nefarious things, and there seems to be mixed opinions about him. If Trump was... Uh, selected by 200 plus generals to run for president. How did Mike Pence get selected for vice president? You know, that's actually the first time in all of this time that I've been asked that question. And it's one I've been dying to talk about because it's such a great play. It's such a remarkable move. If we want to look at this as being sort of a stratagem being played out, um, we liken it to chess because that's a well-known metaphor, but, you know, any sort of strategic multi-level, you know, play. So by bringing someone like Mr. Pence, who has a known questionable past, I personally am not very impressed with some of the things I've been able to unequivocally establish with Mr. Pence. Um, We have a situation where if they're involved with what we call the deep state at any serious uh, influential level, we've put them in a position now as vice president where they will have no choice but to choose one side or the other at some point along in this journey, right? And so that choice actually happened on January the 6th of 2021. And so we've talked about this in the narrative space a lot about how this um, idea of what Mr. Pence's role and powers really were constitutionally that day. We've debated, we've debated it back and forth, but the point still remains that no one even offered to stop things and take account and take in, or maybe I should say take an account of what was being said and the allegations, and some of the evidence that was being uh, provided. And so I think by having someone like Pence that close to the center, if you, if you will, of what became a military plug, we have a situation where our enemies are lulled to sleep. They're um, reassured that they have influence and control. They're assured that they have uh, some amount of say with communications and what arrives to the presidential office. Um, certainly the vice president has the president's ear at different points along the way and can do things in his own right, um, you know, power um, divested to just the vice president as it pertains to the states and the cabinet. Um, So I think this was a very strategic move, and it has turned out to be very eye-opening. 
Thanks. If anyone else has a question, raise your hand. If anyone has a question for SG, if you press the middle button with the symbolism of the hand being raised, we can call upon you in order. I have one, Mike. Go ahead. For it, Kelly. Hey, SG and on. Thanks for coming on again. Um, and I apologize if you answer this in the previous uh your discussions or anywhere else, but um, who do you think his running mate's going to be coming up? And this is off the wall question, but um, did you ever answer this too? The the letter from the funeral, this is not to do with the first question, with whatever they got passed out, what do you think's on there? Um, what was written on there? And thank you again for coming. I know those are two separate questions, but thank you. Of course. Um, so with regard to the second question, um, you know, no one really knows, right? That's been a topic of a non-conjecture for a while. It's been a topic of deep investigative dives. What I, The most compelling theories that I've seen put forward about that particular um, event based on reactions, based on time elapsed, based on um, eye shine, um, glasses, reflections, things like that, is it may have said something along the lines of, they know everything, I'm sorry, signed H.W. Bush. Um, and it's worth noting that the flag was quite wrinkled that day, wasn't it? And so they really knew at some level, um, because you know these are, these are individuals that have served in these branches of government. They've been around symbolism for a long time. They know what a wrinkled flag means. Um, so I think that there was suspicion, you know, even before anyone got anything passed to them, that something wasn't quite right. Um, and I'm sorry, what was the other question? And who do you think his vice president mate will be running mate with him? You know, at this point, I'm very seriously split between my suspicions about Bobby Kennedy and Carrie Lake. Oh, good choices. That's who I'm leaning, especially Carrie Lake. Okay, thank you again. What if things revert far back enough that the president is its own ticket from the vice president? Now, that is an interesting and fascinating consideration that has never been put to me. Wow. Someone should just try actually filing to run for vice president. See what happens these days. What if they say, okay, <laughs> what does that tell you? Interdimensional, you'll be next. And after that, love, joy, Trump. Thank you, JW. And SG and uh, Mike and the team, thank you all. So SG, last time I asked you uh, a question in the same, same subject matter. So here recently... There's been a new little short clip circulating around. Well, and I say new, but it's, I don't think it's very new. Uh, but there's been a, a different clip circulating around. You know, everybody's familiar with the tall, bald guy that everybody says is Valiant Thor. 
you know, who's who's always seen uh, around the White House and all that. But here in these past few days, I'm sure you are familiar with the one I'm speaking of, of this uh, new little clip running around talking about uh, ETs and human skin suits and Octarian bodyguards and all of this. So, you know, what do you have to say about that? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I had heard about that earlier just today, actually, and I hadn't had a chance to go review the clip. Um, but I can say that, you know, this sort of ties back to that soft disclosure about that truth, that grandiose truth that we're not alone, right? Um, we can't, we can't, I think, be reasonable, rational beings and think that the God of all creation is going to limit itself in ways that we, um, that we just couldn't comprehend, you know, or really understand. We have ample evidence going back thousands and thousands of years that we've interacted with all sorts of other sentient races, titans, um, giants, both good and bad, uh, shapeshifters at different points along the way, beings that have higher levels of thought um, and that live on a different plane of thought as far as communication with one another, interpretation with one another. You know, it's worth stepping back and saying, you know, acknowledging as patriots, where do we think they got all the source material and inspiration for programs like Star Trek and Star Wars? You know, this was truth being given to us in ways that we thought was fantastical, fictitious, and a great discussion, but was really things that had been hidden from humanity for a very long time that at once, at, at one point in our past, we sort of understood as, as a true, um, simple matter of fact way of life. So, you know, with what's going on and the videos that are circulating around, I'll be very excited to see it. Um, but we have that, we have the UFO narrative that's been lit up over the last, um, you know, three to six months. We have this idea of, um, balloons and, um, aerial objects being shot down and you now all of a sudden now we're missing the aerial objects being shot down. So I think we're seeing soft disclosure on this issue across all theaters. Fascinating. Uh, <clears throat> I appreciate that. And, you know, to add to that, just to, you know, take it back to the Bible, something that a lot of people I feel overlook is, you know, it talks very clearly about the serpent uh, walking up to Adam and Eve, not slithering, but, you know, that's beside the point. But either way, the serpent came up to Adam or came up to Eve rather in the traditional story. And so that suggests that this race of reptilians, uh, sentient reptilians, you know, conscious were already here. And so that's interesting when you get into the ET research, uh, depending on which narrative, you know, you go with, there's, there's a lot of people talking about, oh, well, the, you know, the reptilians are indigenous and they were here before we were. And then all the stuff about the tunnels and, oh, they're full of reptiles and there's, you know, uh, cities the size of New York underground and all of this that are inhabited by reptiles, you know. And then you've got your flat earthers and, and your honeycomb people and, you know, all the different theories, which I just love all of them, you know. But with each theory, I find a little bit more evidence to point to exactly what the Bible says that they were here uh, before we got here. So very interesting. Thank you, sir. Love, Joy Trump, you're up next. And then Kelly Costanza. 
Hi, this is Beth. Hi, SG. Good evening, Beth. Yeah, so good to talk to you. Um, you know how it says in Q that uh, Israel's saved for last uh, with, uh, by something not mentioned one time? Do you know what that not mentioned what time is? I do not because it has never been mentioned, my dear. <laughs> and I guess, I guess I'm wondering, do you think this whole fake state of Israel will be exposed and everybody will find out the truth about everything? You know, at one point in time, in a singular fashion, probably not. But I see that, you know, not taking really longer than a matter of months, really, once we get down to the nitty gritty of it. Um, right now, we're experiencing geopolitics in Israel that are akin to a, a countrywide revolution, on top of the fact that the IDF is now preparing actively an invasion force for both Gaza and Lebanon. So we're looking at a war in the Middle East kicking off very soon. Um, you know, it's worth noting that the Canaanite um, origins of a lot of the, of nearly all really of the dark occult that have spawned over and sort of taken over in an umbrella fashion, everything in our world, they go back to that specific area of our planet. And so the deepest entrenchment, some of the oldest evil, uh, some, some very ancient, ancient stomping grounds, um, you know, they exist in those areas of the world. And who knows what that reason is, maybe, that, that Israel's being saved for last. But what we know is that we'll have to introduce some sort of a kinetic situation because we're, we're literally going to have to physically clean the rot out of that area of the world. Okay, Kelly, you're up. And after Kelly, Carolyn Fight. Hi, SG. Um, I've found you about six months ago and I'd been in this following Q or trying to for about two years and when I started listening to you and I found you just the way you speak um, and answer things and tell stories started making a whole lot more sense so thank you for that and I don't know if you have an answer to this question but the stuff that's going on in the hospitals, the medical community, the doctors, family, friends still going and getting all their medications and stuff. I personally have lost four family members. My entire family's gone. I'm the last one left because they kept going. They just kept going and getting their shots. They kept going. And then my father, who was never took the shot, once they realized they didn't take the shot, they labeled him as COVID, shut the door, and I never saw him again. So my question is, some people, some channels I follow say that all the chemtrails have stopped. Everything is stopped, you know, um, but I don't see that. And for some reason, what's left of my family, my immediate family, my husband and son, um, we just keep getting sick. I, I, we've been sick once a month now for two weeks since November. It doesn't stop. I don't know. Some people say it's the um, the towers. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on. So I don't know. That's my question: is is this is this stuff still going on? Are they still poisoning us with everything and the towers and the chemtrails? I mean, I have no kind of lost here, especially grieving the loss of my mother, my father, my brother. Well, first off, I want to say I'm really sorry for your loss. War is tough. And um, yeah, there's not I... much more I could say. You know, truthfully, in answer to your question, I'll, I'll be totally honest. I can't say 100% one way or the other. 
I can say that where we're at with the phases in this operation right now, we're experiencing a highlighting as sort of a wheat and chaff moment happening within the military community around the world. Um, we're putting together these situations to right a lot of generational wrongs, and, and some of that, unfortunately, has to be kinetic. But we're also isolating the individuals in the levers of power in the military complex, um, which is really where all of the research for exterminating mankind and heaping this suffering onto all of us through the medical systems, through the shots, through all the other things, it's really where it originated in the beginning. Um, the OSS, the CIA, Pentagon, DARPA, it was all a military operation. Um, or a militarized operation, really, um, all of these years. And, of course, none of us knew. And so with regards to chemtrails and things like that, our area gets sprayed regularly with three trails that cross one another in the form of a giant A. Um, that's very much, to me, symbolism. Um, I've often wondered if they're tar targeting specifically me, I'm, I'm, but you know, I'm not that vain to think that they might be doing that. But it's very clear in the sky that it's a message. So in some respects, I don't think that we've purged the military of all of the black hat commanders that have control over various squadrons that perform these activities. Um, however, I do believe that a different component um, levels in the military operations or in this giant military operation, we have partitioned um, different components of each military branch that we knew were loyal, that we knew were self-insulated, um, essentially to set up a series and a chain of events to eventually trip Goliath and cut the head off while he's still down. Um, and I think we're in that process right now, Kelly, to be perfectly honest with you. I think this is the time where we're sort of taking it to their throat. And that's why they're turning things up on us. You know, it's why they're turning this frequency warfare up. It's why they've turned the infrastructure uh, warfare up. It's why they're derailing trains and poisoning our land and, you know, um, conducting terrorist attacks in Russia. Uh, recently, um, a, and a deep state asset was activated in a Russian city and killed a very well-known um, Russian journalist who was circumventing the mainstream media and literally reaching millions of people in Eastern Europe. And so as we go through this process and they realize this is for keeps, um, and a lot of them are realizing that now, I think things get a little tough for a while and then we prevail on the other side and we can give meaning to the loss and we can give meaning to the suffering and the sacrifice and the memory of our loved ones because really they came here to help propel the world forward and uh, you know some sadly sometimes they do that from the other side better than this side Carolyn, you're up next. Carolyn. Hey, thanks, guys. Great show tonight. And thanks, SG, for everything that you do. Um, the only thing I want to ask is if anybody knows what's going on with the Brunson case. You know, to be perfectly honest, I do not. I know that it has been a sort of kicked the can down the road again, right? Um, but just because it's been kicked down the road, that doesn't mean that we can't see it come back. It also doesn't mean that it hasn't been reviewed in some sort of a national security docket setting and tabled for a later time, which is completely possible. Um, and the Brunsons may not even know that. That could happen outside of the public eye, including the, the case litigants, except maybe for their attorneys. Um, I think as we go forward, the Supreme Court, though, it's worth noting the Supreme Court will be pivotal. I think we're going to showcase more of the corruption with the court first, to be perfectly honest, because it seems like we're already setting that narrative up 
Um, we've got something, something in the space. I can't verify if it's, um, you know, definitive on making a conclusion or not, but we know that Clarence Thomas has some proximal association to entities that were at Bohemian Grove. And of course, that being very shocking for a lot of people thinking, oh, Justice Thomas, he's because he's such a firebrand and he's such a conservative. So I tell people don't draw a conclusion from that, but it seems like we're preparing the narrative space for the introduction of some sad truths about our judiciary, the Trump indictment being a fantastic example of that. Super. Thank you so much. Keep up the good work. Faith Gal, you're up next. And then Hope LH will be after Faith Gal. Oh, thank you. Thank you for coming on and speaking on our channel. We much appreciate it. Um, I wanted to ask if you knew anything. I've seen posts about these calendars, different calendars. And do you can you touch on that at all a bit? Like, I don't understand why there's so many different calendars flying around. Well, you know, it's worth noting that there's a lot of different interpretation in that arena. And that arena, I think, is one that we're going to get a lot more clarity as we go forward and we have further D-class of things that have been hidden from humanity. Mm-hmm. But that being said, you know, what is in our sky really is a celestial clock. And we are mm-hmm. symbiotic with this world and with this earth. And we were made for this earth and this earth for us. And, you know, the good book tells us that he put the stars in the heavens right in the firmament. And, you know, that that was a way for, for us to know that we were... Um, in communication with our creator and we had a connection, you know, from our creator and we had, um, indicators really, um, I shouldn't say prompts, but more, um, more just guides, if you will, almost like an, a celestial compass for when certain times, um, of the seasons would come and go and how that would refresh and rejuvenate us as beings. And so understanding sort of taking that contextual basis as where we're starting starting from, it's very it's worth very highlighting, highlighting that, that oh, someone's got someone. their mic on. I'm getting a feedback. Oh, there it goes. Um, I think it's very worth highlighting that um, they have always sought to cripple us spiritually. And what better way to do that than, than to throw off our rhythm in the same fashion that if you were a 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. sleeper and you were suddenly thrust into a third shift job where you had to be awake from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. and your sleep time would be 8 a.m. to maybe early mid-afternoon. That would interrupt your rhythm in such a tremendous way, especially in the short term, um, that you really wouldn't be able to feel your way around. The world wouldn't feel the same. Everything would be a little hazy, a little foggy. I think that's exactly what we have going on at a macro level with our calendar. I've seen very compelling evidence to show that we should have 28-day months on 13-month cycles. Um, And right now we have just over 30 um, and then just under 30 in one particular instance which is compressed down into a 12-day cycle, or excuse me, a 12-month cycle. And so I think as we go forward, we can say that our calendar has 100% been messed with. But as we figure out the best way to do things again, it's going to make a lot of intrinsic sense to us. And it probably will um, call some attention to some old wisdom maybe we heard from our grandparents years and years ago. Thank you. Just one more question, because I don't ask questions too much, so I'll get this one out, too. A lot of talk was going on about the Bible also, which which was really concerning to me, but not too many people talk about it on the channels. They used to when I first started following Telegram, but it kind of went to the wayside and election and all that more important stuff took preference. Do you, do you know anything about that? Well, you know, 
all that I can say on that is just really my own opinion, right? And I'm going to preface it by saying that. Um, I've done a whole lot of research on this issue, but the reason I don't opine on it very much is because when we get into our, the basis for our spiritual understandings, it's really very important that the process be organic and original for whoever's going through their journey and their walk. Um, and it's important to keep in mind, too, that there are things that can expand and enhance our understanding of God if we're willing to sort of step outside of the box maybe that we've formed. So on that note, I will say that my own personal opinion is that we've seen pretty severe editing at least a couple of different times throughout history um, inside the biblical text to remove certain portions that speak to the spiritual capabilities and, and specifically the spiritual connection and sort of the nature of the human being as it pertains to being made in the image and likeness of the, you know, the Almighty. But I think that's by design. A lot of people, when I say that, or if I, if I bring that up in a conversation, it's very upsetting because it makes people feel as though God has lost control. And that's not the case at all. Um, and I would admonish anyone, you know, in, in that's going through this awakening right now all around the world to maybe think about it in the sense that had that not happened, had that not been the will of the Lord to have those things removed in the fashions that they were removed throughout history, humanity could never have awoken up to the same core issues all at the same time as we're ha as is happening right now. We would have had this trickle effect where we would have, um, it never would have become a flood. It never would have become a fire hydrant. It always would have been a stream and a stream can be easily dried up or blockaded. And so having our information um, and our spiritual nature sort of um, restored to us in a way, in an understanding sense, and going deep and maybe looking at some of the things that um, people talk about having been removed and just gauging. Does this feel like something that the Lord would say? Is this something that maybe was put out as bait? Because I think that that's the case too, at least in a couple of different areas throughout history. So it's a, it's a sensitive and tenuous area, but I think it's one that's absolutely worth exploration. Thank you very much. All right, Hope will be next, but SG, um, do you have time for a couple more after that, or how are you doing on time? I think I've got about 10 to 12 more minutes. Okay, so Hope, you're up next, and after Hope, Judy Airspeed. Thank you very much. Um, appreciate being you being online and for all of us to hear. Um, a couple weeks ago, I saw a picture on Telegram, and I can't remember what address it was in. Well, hello. We really appreciate that all that you are. Sorry about that. Go ahead, Hope. Oh, thank you. Um, but it was a, a, a comment saying the one, and it alluded to the fact that the one to really fear uh, is not me, and it was like sounding like it was Trump, and it had a picture of Baron Trump. Can you allude to anything that you might know of? You know, I will be perfectly honest. I am a little bit underversed in the background of Baron Trump. I shouldn't be, um, but I am. I've not actually gone and looked that up. But from my understanding is Baron is supposed to have some sort of role um, along with Melania about restoring um, – <sighs> If I can, if I can draw from what I'm remembering the best that I can about restoring something having to do with the levers of finance and power in um, different areas of Eastern Europe. Okay. Um, Again, don't quote me. Well, that's okay. Even sometimes 
I almost wonder if Melania um, is actually uh, comes from a different time zone, uh, maybe a, a different interstellar race that that perhaps Baron also has. If Baron is truly his her son, um, that there may be some special abilities. That's about all I can say. You know, I've never heard or researched much into that, but I've seen some very compelling um, evidence circumstantially showing that Melania could very well be of the Romanov dynasty descent. And that would make what's happening right now in Russia um, and in that area of the world, that would absolutely add symbolic meaning, I think, the likes of which we haven't seen yet. Okay, Judy, you're up now. Hello. Well, I just first want to say I appreciate all that you all are doing uh, to help us, especially SG. You've been really helpful to us. Um, what we wanted to know was the timing of this uh, court case against Trump being Easter week. Um, who do you think made that choice and why? You know, Miss Judy, if I if I may, and I appreciate the compliment very much. Um, I really do believe that everything we witnessed over the last two weeks uh, regarding the Trump arrest indictment, this entire case, um, and and when I say everything we witnessed, I mean everything we saw on television, everything that was said by Fox News, um, you know, the circumstances of the day, the events of the day, the size of the motorcade, um, just on and on and on. We could dissect it for another 45 minutes. Um, I think it's very compelling to me that this was a military operation. Um, we had the individual, Mr. Bragg, just days before giving the grand jury a month off. Um, you don't do that when you're planning on taking something to, to a case, and, and certainly when you're planning on um, indicting a former president of the United States of America. And so given how everything um, panned out that day you know, with the Trump arrest and the indictment and, and the correspondence to Easter, I think this is by design. I think that we may have a resurrection moment, but I don't know what that looks like. Does that look like America coming back from the brink? Do we have Donald Trump back suddenly? Um, does something happen in the three-dimensional societal world-level space that could be likened to a death resurrection moment, something like a financial crash? We really don't know, right? Um, but the symbolism is very important to keep in mind because it's very important to these idiots that we're battling, and so we've been using it against them really this entire time. Okay, looks like we have time for about two more questions. So, D, you're up first, and after D, um, Bonnie Lynn. Thank you so much, and SG, thank you. Um, my question is a little different. I lost my father um, in the World Trade Center, and that's when my journey began. Now... I, there's not a day that goes by being on Telegram that I don't see something that has to do with 9-11. In your opinion, do you think that real disclosure on what happened outside of what we're told on different channels, do you feel that I will finally get an answer as to what happened to my father. I mean, the World Trade Center was in my life since I was 10 years old for 26 years. 
my dad worked there. So I still, till this day, it's a nightmare for me. Thanks. I got to say, Patriot, I'm really sorry for your loss. I was um, fairly young that day, actually, and I remember watching the event on television. I remember it watching it unfold, and then I remember actually sitting on the ground. I can remember smelling strawberries in the other room, and the building started coming down, and I was, you know, I was young, but I wasn't horribly young, and I realized there are people in those buildings. They're dying. I was watching them die, um, and so I'm sorry for that. I just want you to know that. Um, as far as disclosure, without a doubt, the Kennedy assassination in particular and 9-11 will come about as full-level disclosures of some form. It may be during a, a period of military justice. It may be during a period of coordinated uh, counterintelligence mainstream media reporting, just like what happened with Tucker Carlson and the CIA. For the first time in 60 years, a pundit went on a mainstream network and actually said the CIA killed a sitting president of the United States. Um, or that's what the evidence was pointing to is really more of what he said. I think we see that disclosure happening um, really starting probably this year and next year. It's going to be painful for the American people because it's a relatively fresh trauma when we look at things generationally. Um, 22 years ago this year, this coming September. Um, and so, you know, God be with you and God walk with you, you know, through this particular process. It will be tough for you, but it will be, I think, a moment of catharsis and healing that, um, is going to be something that will be refreshing and rejuvenating and will bring some peace and add a whole lot of meaning to, you know, what your dad gave that day. Your dad gave his life um, against an enemy combatant. As, as far as I'm concerned, he's a war hero. Thank you. You know, I've heard so many stories that the building was empty. Uh, the people that, you know, usually work there were taken someplace else. I mean, there's not a story I haven't heard. So I thank you. Okay, Bonnie. Real quick before we get to Bonnie here, you know, just think about, too, that we still haven't gotten an, an official COVID origin story. And I think the reason being is, is that it's all about timing. At the right time, will that come along with everything else that comes out? And the same thing, like Esther just said, with the Kennedy assassination, in time. And it's going to make sense in time. Go ahead, Ronnie. Bonnie, you can ask your question now. Sorry about that. I was talking to a blank wall here. Um, my question is about Nasara. Um, maybe it's already been answered, but um, could you remind me when was Nasara signed into law and which president did that? And then why has it not been implemented? I've heard various date ranges given for the actual signature of the law. Uh, my understanding is, hap is it happened sometime in the year 2000 um, with President Bill Clinton late one evening in the White House. And that this, again, was in a regular espionage warfare type situation that was happening um, at that level of the government even back then. Now, the reason why it wasn't implemented, well, there's a whole host of them, right? We had 9-11-01, which was the most apparent reason um, and the most 
um, immediate reason for it's not occurring. But then shortly after that, we had the war beginning in um, Afghanistan and Iraq. We had um, we placed the, the uh, country into a state of emergency, which gave extraordinary powers to several different um, offices and locations in the government, including the U.S. executive. Um, it gave, and, and so we entered into that period as well. And we had the appointment of a deep state cabal um, Illuminati Jesuit to the chief justice position of the Supreme Court of the United States in the form of John Roberts. And it's my understanding that from that point on, the Supreme Court simply would not review any of the challenges. In other words, they would do exactly what they're doing right now with the election stonewalling. They would not review any challenges, reviews, or anything that came up regarding this law that had been um, passed and signed but had been legally locked up. Um, and so, and I believe that legal lockup happened in the transition from peacetime to wartime because of Masera's um, requirement that all military conflict around the world be stopped and be ceased, or aggressive military conflict, I should say. And so from that point on, we had the Supreme Court of the United States under control um, of the Illuminati, and they simply would not allow something like that to be brought to the fold in any significant way. Um, it would completely jeopardize everything that they've ever been about, right? It's always been about their control of money. And so as we go forward, I think it's less likely that we see it rolled out in the form of a law, you know, in a singular event that just wipes things out in a singular way like they attempted to do before. I think we see it um, already occurring in the form of BRICS and the policies that that particular economic alliance is adopting. And a lot of other countries around the world are realizing that this is going to be the way of the future, and they've already put their applications into BRICS. We're up to more than 70% of all GDP around the world now wanting to be a part of that economy, that sort of economic trading block. And so, you know, I think that's part of it. I think we see um, reparations for COVID-19 at some point along the way. There will be tribunals of justice for that. There will be reparations given to the nations who suffered, which is all of us. Um, and so I think that will also play into some of the angles that have been discussed with Nisera um, and, you know, Jacera in, in an economic um, sense and a, in a, a legal sense around the world. So all, I know that's a long answer, but sort of all of that being said, we tried to do it all in one big Moab bomb before and we got ousted. So now we're doing it in a spider web. Um, they, can, you know, they can't stop that many streams, right? And so it's not very long, as we're seeing with the banking system, before it all comes crashing down and an alternative will be in play. That really helped me a lot. Thank you. Um, the most interesting part was about Justice Roberts. I did not know about him, what you had said about him. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. OSG, I want to thank you again for joining us and uh, sharing your knowledge and research. It's always a pleasure and an honor, and it's, it's very helpful for the time of information, which we're all in need of. And thank you again for joining us and giving us your time. Thanks for having me, Patriot Mike. I love being here. These these intimate conversations are the lifeblood of the movement, and they're the lifeblood of you know the Revolution 2.0, which we're all a part of. So stick with it, because it's just now getting fun. Absolutely. I'll stay in touch with you, SG, and hopefully we can bring you on probably next month. Would love to. Have a good night, boss. Thanks, SG. Good night, all. Thank you.